Hey y'all, Sam here. So as 2020 comes to a close, I have been thinking a lot about all the things that helped me get through this crazy year. Chocolate-covered almonds, shorts and pants with elastic waistbands, Netflix, countless pints of ice cream. But when I really think about it, one of the things that I absolutely could not have survived 2020 without is public radio. Every day this year, through the protests and the pandemic and the recession, I have listened to an NPR podcast or an NPR member station, or I have watched a Tiny Desk concert. So I give to multiple NPR member stations because I want public radio to be around next year as well. Listeners, I am asking you right now to give to the NPR member station of your choosing because I bet that you relied on public radio a lot in 2020, just like me. When you give to your NPR member station, that support flows through the entire public radio system to keep all of us, including this little old show, on the air. So go right now to this link, donate.npr.org Sam, and we will get through the rest of this year and 2021 together. Thank you. Hey, y'all, you're listening to It's Been a Minute from NPR. I'm Sam Sanders. And today, for the holidays, we are bringing you some joy. Pure, unadulterated, uncomplicated joy. Listeners sharing stories of good things happening to them. Hi, Sam. This is Quincy in St. Petersburg, Florida. Hi, Sam. This is Barbara in Urbana, Illinois. And the best part of my week? The best part of my week happened. The best part of my week was that... The best part of my week was when I had my first hug since before March 13th. That I just finished an eight-mile run to celebrate passing the New Mexico bar exam. The best part of my week was realizing after working from home for seven months that... I can order pizza for lunch and no one can stop me. I I mean, you know, most weeks on the show, we close with a little audio montage of listeners sharing the best things that have happened to them all week. And for years, people have been bugging us to do an entire episode of just that. So we're doing it now. To say that this year was rough is a bit of an understatement, but good things have still been happening to good people. And it's important to remember that. So for this episode, we're going to revisit three of our favorite Best Things submissions from 2020, starting with one that was just as touching as it was simple. Hi, Sam. Well, the best thing that happened to me this week is that I made a new friend. At my age, I just reached 75. You don't make new friends every day, so it's kind of special. I'm lucky to live along a road where there's a small lake and many walkers enjoy it. And there's one guy I've seen for many years now, uh, walking regularly, about my age, and I managed the courage to say hi, and he stopped, and we chatted very enjoyably. Then we sat in my lawn chairs and chatted more. Then he left, and I had a new friend. So thanks for your show, Sam. That's Gary Hines. He lives near Malaloo Lake in Hudson, Wisconsin. I called up Gary because something as easy as saying hi to a stranger, it feels almost extraordinary in 2020. Hi, Gary, can you hear me? I can, Sam. How are you? I'm just fine and honored to have your call. Um, Well, I'm really excited to talk uh, with you. When we played your voice memo on the show, 
we heard from so many listeners. Oh, really? And they were very, very, very surprised by how affected they were by your story. Huh. Some folks said it brought them joyful tears. You know, they got emotional about it. Wow. And I'm wondering if it's just something to do with this year of pandemic and isolation. I mean, sure. stories like yours, I'm guessing they mean a little bit more to everyone in this year where we feel a bit perhaps more alone than usual. I think that's right. I mean, I, I as you say it, I, I feel that way as well. Um, it's hard to... Uh, go sort of go through life without making contact with people. That's a lot to ask. Yeah. It's uh, difficult. And I think, yes, I think that this would, I can see where it would be touching to hear someone just, you know, reaching out and sort of touching a stranger and, and we become friends kind of right at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there are going to be a lot of people hearing you talk with me right now who say, I don't make new friends. I don't do that. I've, <laughs> I've passed the age of that, or I get nervous about it, or I don't like to do that. What advice would you have for listeners hearing you talk about your new friend? Oh, boy. Advice for them on how to make some new friends and just, you know, say hi to folks. Hmm. My advice, you know, it's really a kind of a get over your, your um, trepidation and, and isolation. It's so easy to kind of, keep within yourself it's the easier safer and of course now you have the added excuse of it's dangerous <laughs> and but you know danger is there's dangers in being alone too much too there's a lot of ways to um to kind of connect and it's right now connecting is especially important what is your new friend's name paul paul okay now when you see your new friend now walking the lake what do the conversations look like now? Do y'all walk together? Do you just say hi? I mean, you mentioned that he came and sat on your lawn chair. No, I've only, I've really only said hi. But I will tell you that having this conversation, is, I'm going to relay it to him. And, oh my goodness, yes. <laughs> oh, it's, I'm looking forward to it very much. <laughs> just to say, hey, hey, Paul, I actually did end up talking with Sam Sanders, and uh, because I had sent in the thing about our our meeting. And uh, I'm sure it'll be quite welcome. Yeah. Well, when you talk with Paul, tell him I said hello. I will. And that I appreciate the both of you. And uh, Gary, I'm going to just go ahead and say that you're my friend too now. All right. Boy, that's an honor and I appreciate it. I will feel the same. And I, I do enjoy your show. I always listen to it. Thanks again to Gary Hines. Coming up, a listener reunites with his mother who ended up far from home six months later. I'm Guy Raz, and on NPR's How I Built This, how Tim Ferriss, as an entrepreneur, author, investor, and podcaster, turned himself into a multi-million dollar brand. Subscribe or listen now. For the show today, we are revisiting some of the stories we heard from listeners sharing the best parts of their weeks with us in 2020. Hector Zanoni sent us this voice memo earlier this year. Hi, Sam. This is Hector from Boston. What's making me happy this week is that after six months of being stranded alone in South America due to the pandemic, uh, my mom is finally returning back to the family tomorrow here in Boston. It took six months, 
lots of failed attempts, many video calls, and many birthday celebrations together over the phone. And after two humanitarian flights, she will be boarding a flight from Lima to Miami tonight, and we'll be in Boston again with the family tomorrow, Saturday. This is making me really happy this week, and we'll keep our family really, really happy for a long time. Thank you. Wow. <laughs> so you said that to us back in September. Your mom ended up making it to Boston, all right? Yeah, luckily everything worked out really, really well. Okay. And so, I mean, I guess to go back to the beginning, how did she get stranded in Lima, Peru all by herself? Oh, actually, so she actually got stranded in Caracas, Venezuela. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it was a, Walk that's me why through it took that. six months to get her here. Oh my goodness, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, so she, we're originally from Peru. So my mom and my dad were both in Lima, uh, February or so. And right before my dad came back to the States, my mom decided to take a week to go to Venezuela, which is where I grew up. So we also have family ties there. Gotcha. And she was ready to come back on a Monday, I remember. And then she called me on Saturday and she said, hey, I realized that the flights that are usually are coming back to Peru have been canceled for um, Sunday. Can you look into Monday flights? And this was the weekend, uh, the middle of March weekend, where Mm -hmm. the majority of the U.S. started to shut down. So she got stuck in Venezuela. And, you know, Venezuela and the U.S. don't have the best diplomatic relationships nowadays. (laughs) That's an understatement. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So because of it, I, my dad and I had this sort of double approach and try to get how to get her back. So I was coordinating the U.S. side through Colombia, but there was no way to get to Colombia by car or by flight. So my dad worked on our Peruvian side. So he started to communicate with the Peruvian consulate. And after months, it took months and months and months to try to get any flights to happen because it was super limited. And then they get, kept getting canceled last minute. Um, and then also, like, I have to mention that my mom was alone in, in Venezuela, except for her one of her sisters, uh, who happened to be in Caracas also at the same time. So she, like my, my, my aunt, my tia Gloria, she, above and beyond, like, she took care of my mom. She helped her navigate through, like, the other thing that happened that was really, really sad is that my mom's birthday was April 13th. Uh, and on her birthday, her mom passed away in, oh my in Peru. And she couldn't be there for that. Or she could couldn't she? be there for that. Yeah, oh, no, she goodness. couldn't because she was in Venezuela. I'm so sorry. So, yeah, so it was really, really sad to try to navigate through the loss and through communicating with my mom about it. And, you know, she was so far away. Could y'all call her during that time she was stuck down there? Yes. So we were, what really were those lucky calls as far. like? Oh, it was, it was wild. Because the other thing is that imagine, like, my mom is super energetic, super focused, super driven. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, she's still by herself and she's like, you know, close to 70. And she's stuck in, we live in this tall apartment building in Caracas that is, you know, 16 stories high. And this is the other thing is Venezuela is Venezuela, especially in 2020. So a lot of infrastructure things are not really there. So the elevator wasn't working. And then sometimes there was no power. Then sometimes there was no water. So it was really try to keep her engaged. My, this is, also goes back to my dad. My dad had like a daily call with her just to make sure she was okay. And then, you know, anything that could happen, happened in the sense of, you know, her phone broke and we needed to find a way to get her a phone. Oh, my God. Like, how do you how do you do that? And and yeah, so it was tough. And it was, a you know, a solid six months of us in, trying to keep the family super engaged and then also making sure that she has everything that she needed. Wow. What was the reunion like? Like, did y'all meet her at Boston, Logan, like at the airport, like walking through that moment when you see her again? It was amazing. So it's funny. So the... She, she's super cautious about it. So she had like a jumpsuit 
and then her her mask and then her like uh plexiglass shield oh my and we just her came down the elevator the the escalators and it was just wonderful like my sisters were there my nieces and nephews were there so the 12 of us uh, the big 12 were all together to greet her and she was just so happy to see us we were so happy to see her please tell me you had a sign did you have a sign oh my oh my god I I i have to share with you the photo it's like all the little kids all my nieces and nephews made signs and there were so many cute little signs that they made oh my goodness what was your mom's reaction in that moment when she saw y'all oh my god she was she was really happy uh-huh. and she she got a little cry, teary and cried but uh no but it was great she she knew that you know that we were all together what's been the best thing that's happened to you and your family since she's been back it's been so many things so on my mom's side of things it's great to have her back uh she's back living with my dad which is good because they really like being with each other yeah <laughs> and, yeah especially after such a long time of being apart and then my dad uh had applied to become a u.s citizen huh. that first few weeks of september a lot of things went went down in a good way like so my mom came back and then on the week after my dad had the citizenship test and then Two weeks later, we had a, you know, COVID outdoor ceremony for oh. his naturalization. That's a big year. That is a yeah, big year he, for and, your family. And he voted for his first time in the U.S. Wow. Yeah, so, so many things. It's been, you know, in the middle of everything that's been so tough, especially those months apart with my mom, is it's good to see that the year is ending with us together. Which yeah, I think it's together, uh, yeah. Yeah, I think it's it's the most important values that my parents always impress on us. Like the, the importance of us being together, even through you know, distance. Well, I'm glad everything worked out. I'm glad that your family is all together. And I hope that your 2021 is a lot less dramatic. Oh, here's to that. And everybody, <laughs> worldwide, yes, please. Yes, worldwide. Let's have a very boring and safe 2021, please. <laughs> yeah. Well, tell your mom I said hi and that I really think she's she's a real one. She, uh, she's she a G. Absolutely. Like, she is real. the G of the family. <laughs> Thanks again to Hector Zanoni. All right, stay with us. Coming up, a listener shares her story of giving a stranger a kidney during a pandemic. Hey, this is Hector Zanoni here with my mom. Saludos, soy Alicia Zanoni. Wishing everybody a happy holiday this year. Gracias por escuchar nuestra historia. Felices fiestas y un próspero año nuevo a todos. Thank you. Hey, this is Janae. I'm a producer on It's Been a Minute. If you like what you're listening to, you can support the show and NPR by giving to your local station. Give at donate.npr.org slash Sam. That's donate.npr.org slash Sam. And even though I'm inside, I open the window so it sounds like I'm somewhere. I think it just sounds like wind. Okay, back to the show. Hi, Sam. This is Deborah in Walnut Creek, California. On July 9th, I donated a kidney to someone that I didn't know. I'd been on the donor list since January, was delayed for a few months because of the pandemic. And then goodness overcame evil and uh, a match was found and my recipient 
is doing great. I am doing great. And I just wanted to share our three-month anniversary of a new life for him. So just wanted to give a wahoo for a little bit of happy. Thanks, Sam. Wow. Wow. (laughs) It's just amazing. It gives me chills here in the back. I remember when we played that on the show, we came out of it, and I gave a little wahoo on the radio as well. I know. I love that. (laughs) (laughs) I just, I was like, oh, God, he said wahoo. (laughs) I loved it all. Well, you know what it was? I realized... I have seen over the years stories on TV of people sharing a kidney with a stranger. You know, I watch a bunch of Grey's Anatomy. I think that plot lines (laughs) happen four or five times. I've never talked with someone that did that in real life, that gave a kidney to a stranger in real life. What made you want to do that? Yeah, boy, that's such a loaded question. So (laughs) guess how many times I've been asked that? Um... You know, it's a combination of things. And I it's the funniest thing is that all roads in life seem to always go back to NPR. Huh. Because, ah, yeah, you say, um, I don't know, maybe three years ago, listening to Freakonomics Radio and my friend yeah. Stephen Tubner, he had yeah. someone on, I can't remember his name, Steve something or other, I don't know. And his segment was about... Um, how many thousands of people are on the kidney wait list. And it's just like not enough people can die to provide those kidneys and not enough living people are willing to do that. And so I listened and it caught me and then it was over and life moved on. And I think it just, it's stuck in my brain. And then um, lots of family members have died within a seemingly short period of time. Uh, Mm. Two sisters, a brother, uh, both parents within, you know, I don't know, eight years or something. And it's like, God. That's a lot. And you can't, well, and you, but you, you know, and it was one of those things where it wasn't anything that anyone could fix. It was Mm. leukemia. It was Mm. dementia. It was whatever. And it occurred to me, and I don't know exactly when, this donation kept rising to the front of my heart. And I Mm. couldn't let it go. When did the procedure itself take place? It was on July 9th. So we're coming up on our fifth anniversary here. Fifth month. Wow. So then that raises another question for me. The transplant itself, you going under the knife to give a kidney to a stranger, <laughs> that happened in the midst of the pandemic, know. you know? Isn't that wild? Well, I could oh. see a lot of people saying, once the pandemic hits, uh, take me off that list because I'm not doing procedures like this in the midst of coronavirus. What oh. made you say I'm going to stay on? Yeah, I was so worried that it wasn't going to happen because yeah. just because there's a pandemic doesn't mean that that people waiting on the donor list are getting better and so when the unit the transplant unit did put a halt 
to everything really? for a few months. Yeah, I was like, oh, oh, wow. oh my gosh. I mean, I really, I was sick. I just mm-hmm. felt, I was like, oh, no, because it should have happened pretty quickly. And so then I got um, a call from my coordinator in June. And um, every step along the way, I do have to tell you, the experience was magical. Oh, my gosh. It was just I'm a science person. I'm, I'm a science mm. teacher, and I believe in science, but I have to tell you that this was more than science. It was just oh. magic. Oh. How long is one under when they give a kidney? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't, yeah. Why would, why would you know that? Um, it was a probably, I want to say, like maybe five hours from the time they rolled me in And uh, the funniest thing is the stuff that I don't remember, actually, because apparently (laughs) um, in the midst of the anesthetic, I had asked the surgeon to take a picture of my kidney, which I have (laughs) no memory of. (laughs) Yeah, you know. I love it. Listen, there are worse things you can ask (laughs) while under anesthesia, so it could be worse. I was, yeah, that's the only thing they told me. Who knows what else I said? (laughs) So now I have a picture of my kidney in my photo roll. It's just a kick. Oh, my goodness. I love it. Um, Do you know who got your kidney? I do. Now I do. Tell me all about them. Actually, in the hospital, I was mm-hmm. looking for him because we were on the same floor, obviously. Stop it. You were like, I was you totally stalking him. Oh I eliminated all of the rooms I knew he wasn't in, just thinking that I could get a peek, even though I know it was against the rules. And, um, and I actually did stalk one guy for a while because I knew that the recipient was a 33 year old fella. And I'm thinking, uh-huh. God, okay, I have gender fluid organs. That number one is really cool. (laughs) And so um, this guy walks past my room and definitely 30-ish looking. And I thought, oh, my God, what if that's him? I didn't know. So, I, yeah, I trailed him. And I, uh, I struck up an odd conversation starting with, hey, you win the interesting bathrobe award for the day. And darn it. Where's no. your scar? Real, yeah. <laughs> it's your best pickup line ever. Why are yeah. you here? <laughs> <laughs> and, and then it was like, oh, liver donor. Oh, uh, doggone it. Okay, rats. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I sort of had to give up after I realized that a, a recipient would be down for the count for a few more days. Um. Little did I know that my person also really wanted to meet me. Okay. Which I didn't know at the time. And our coordinator, we both had the same person shepherding us through this process, Mm -hmm. said that I could write him a letter. And if he chose to respond, then that is how we would do this. And so, of course, my, you know, three-page sort of manifesto about (laughs) this is me and this is my this is this was my intention and on on and on because what line of the letter do you recall the most uh that um i think it was uh for him to have his Mm. life back
And so we started emailing and then texting, and I talked to him all the time. Oh, my goodness. We have a one-year anniversary party planned. All fingers crossed for next July. And it's just so lovely because he's just the nicest person. Um, We have spoken, quote-unquote, deeply about how this has connected us and affected us. Yeah. And, I mean, it's just meant to be. Yeah. Isn't the human body such a wonderful miracle and gift? It the is things crazy. It can do. The yes. things it can do. You know? Yes. Now, see, I could be a liver donor, too, because okay, that now. will Okay, be... now, Deborah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Slow down. Oh, more. Two more. <laughs> oh, man. You are, you, you're just, Jeez. you're just pure of heart. You're just pure of heart. I can just hear this giving spirit you have, and I appreciate that. <laughs> Last question oh, for you. Yes. Oh, no. This has been such a hard year and such a weird year for so many people. And it has been such a year of great loss for so many folks in America and across the world for a number of reasons. But in this year of loss and suffering, you have given this really big gift to a stranger who has now become a friend. And I think listeners hearing the story are going to be inspired to be more generous themselves. What do you hope the moral of this story, (laughs) your kidney transplant story in the midst of this awful year, what do you hope the lesson is here for folks that hear this? Man, you know, this this was the bright and shining spark in my world. And I think that to be able to share something like this really does give someone their life back. The National Kidney Foundation has the uh, sort of, it's sort of a, a phrase that they use. It's the big ask and it's the big give. Mm. And I didn't get asked, but mm. I, I did but do. But you gave. But I gave because somebody was asking without asking. And it was the right thing to do. And if it hadn't been the right thing to do, it would have felt uncomfortable. But again, never once, one moment on the path did I feel like I was faltering. And it was just lovely. Thanks again to Deborah Walker. And thanks to all of our listeners who, throughout this year and several other years, send in voice memos every week sharing the best parts of their weeks. We appreciate all of them. All right, listeners, till Friday, thank you for listening. I'm Sam Sanders. Happy holidays. We'll talk soon.